Hey, Three Crosses family, welcome back to the Going Deeper podcast. Today, we're going to be taking excerpts from Matthew chapter 5 and chapter 6 from the famous Sermon on the Mount. We're talking about the song Blessings by Chance the Rapper today. And so with that, let's go deeper. Joining us for a second week in a row is Pastor Ryan Suzuki. Pastor hey. Ryan, welcome back to the podcast studio. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> it's a, It was a great episode last time, and so yeah. we're going to jump right into this sermon about blessings by Chance the Rapper. And yeah. what was the lyric? May, when the when blessings... The, when the praises go up, the blessings come down. There it is. <laughs> you can tell I haven't heard this song, <laughs> but that's okay. Um, before we jump in, yeah. as all of our listeners know... The first question is all about helping set us the scene. So we're jumping into the book of Matthew. Yeah. Who is Matthew? Why is he writing the gospel here? Uh, what has happened in the first five chapters of Matthew, since we're talking about Matthew 5 and yep. 6? And uh, here's an important question. What makes the Sermon on the Mount such a significant scene in the ministry of Jesus's life. Yeah, sure. So Matthew is one of the disciples of Jesus. He's also was known as Levi. He was a tax collector. So it's, he's an interesting figure amongst the disciples, a really notable figure, someone who, you know, as many of you probably know, tax collectors, uh, just like today, we're not very popular in <laughs> Jesus's day, but uh, tax collectors often had the added attribute of kind of being traitors to their own people. They were collecting taxes uh, for the the oppressive Roman government from the Jewish people. So um, a lot of times a tax collector in a Jewish context was like persona non grata. So Matthew uh, meets Jesus. Jesus calls him from his tax collecting booth. G Matthew follows Jesus, becomes a disciple, and he writes this gospel. And a big theme in this gospel is all about proving that Jesus was the prophesied Messiah, that he is the kind of herald, the forerunner, the king of the kingdom of heaven. And so Matthew even starts off his books with uh, with his his gospel with what's most of our favorite things in the world, a genealogy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but of course, the genealogy is there for a purpose, right? It traces Jesus' heritage all the way back to Abraham, the father of the Israelite people. And just establishing Jesus as part of this line, he's also part of King David's line. So he's a kingly line. He's part of uh, just, he is a, enshrined amongst God's people, amongst the Israelite people. So we've seen these things happen in Jesus' ministry. Of course, his birth, this has a birth narrative in it. Um, we see that, you know, we see we eat the Magi, the wise men that come and visit Jesus in this one. Uh, we experience all these different kind of moments in Jesus' ministry, and we're into the beginning. So he's baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan. He goes out in the wilderness where he's tested by the devil, and now he's come back, and he's gathering his disciples, people like Matthew, He's starting his healing ministry. He's been healing the sick, casting out demons, doing these things. He's starting this ministry. And the Sermon on the Mount comes up as this first major teaching, this first major movement of preaching and teaching in Jesus' ministry. And really, the Beatitudes sets up all these different things about what it means to be a part of the kingdom of heaven. Here's what it means. Here's what it looks like. Here's what the people are like and kind of where people are wondering, they're all waiting for, they've been waiting for the Messiah. They've been waiting for the kingdom of heaven. And now Jesus is describing what the people who live in the kingdom of heaven are like. He's describing what that kingdom actually looks like. So that's kind of where we find ourselves at the beginning of Matthew 5. And I love the Sermon on the Mount because it is such a kingdom 
mindset because it's so subversive in so many ways. And so I'm excited to jump into some of these texts with you. Um, your message was broken down into three different seasons and how we can experience blessing in each of those seasons. And so I want to break down this conversation the same yeah. way and talk a little bit more about these seasons a little bit. Uh, the first one is seasons of plenty. Yeah. So you talked about the different blessings that you've experienced in your life, uh, the different blessings that, you know, I'm imagining that there's a lot of people at our church that are in seasons of blessings. Sure. If you thought about it, I mean, we're in one of the most affluent areas. Yes. We are in a, a free country where we can have this kind of podcast and conversations. Yeah. There's just a lot to be grateful for. And yeah. yet, even the passage leading up to your text in Matthew 6 uh, talks about where we lay up our treasures, right? Uh, whether it's, you know, are we serving two masters? Are we serving God and money? Yeah. And I think of like the rich young ruler later in Matthew 19 that has this impasse of wanting to hold on to his riches. And Jesus comes to say, man, it is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle yeah. than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And so I found that when you were talking about seasons of plenty, I found it actually subversively challenging yes. in a way because I know the scriptures talk about how difficult it is for people with plenty to to have this kingdom mindset yeah. that the the um, Sermon on the Mount is talking about. So my first question is in this season of plenty, for those of us who are in this bountiful season where we feel like we're being blessed, how do we stay grounded? Yeah. How do we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus? Well, man, I was thinking about the season of plenty, and I think that there's two kind of primary ways that we can lose sight of the Lord in a season of plenty. So one, you, you've already talked about kind of when we have, and I talked about this a little bit on Sunday, that when we have much, it's easy to lose sight of the one who provides, who provided that in the first place. So you're right. The rich young ruler is a perfect example. Um, when we have means and ways, we've got all these different things at our disposal. Sometimes it's easy to start to believe that we're the ones that, oh, well, it's because of my hard work or because of my diligence or because I'm a smart person or a good provider and a good planner. That's why I have these things. And while sometimes those things are true, I mean, of course, we do want to work hard. God, the scriptures prize hardworking people. Um, we, it, the scriptures prize wisdom and shrewdness and things like that. But when even in those things, if we lose sight of who gives us wisdom, who gives us the capacity for work? Who gives us opportunities and jobs and life and breath and everything that we need? I mean, when we start to believe it's about us and not about what God has done and not have an attitude, excuse the rhyme, an attitude of gratitude, <laughs> we lose sight of the giver of all good things, right? And so, right. man, when, you, that, when you're doing that, you're not going to be seeking the kingdom first. You're not going to be walking with the Lord in the way that you have for you. And you probably, as a result... I mean, not as like, I don't even know if it's even a matter of discipline, but you might find yourself outside and moving out outside that realm of a, a season of plenty. Um, the other thing I think that happens a lot of times, honestly, with believers is we try, we try to take hold of spiritual blessing and not really recognize and be grateful and um, be thankful about the material blessings that God brings to our lives. Mm. And I guess what I think about that is there's a temptation sometimes that when we're in seasons of plenty, instead of enjoying them and praising God for them, we worry about what's coming next. Uh, we kind of walk ourselves right into a season of worry when really like the 
the blessings are all around and we can thank God for that. I mean, for me, I find that I've, I, I am in there can be in that space a lot where I'm just like, things are good, but I'm kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. And I think when we have, we have a God that loves us and provides extravagant, blesses extravagantly, does all these different things. And I think, um, what I love about the the Christian faith and about who our God is like God create, there is a physical reality and a spiritual reality. And both are value of value created by God, given to us by God and, uh, are to be enjoyed and be enjoyed because they're gifts to us. And so for us in season of plenty, I think, you know, my recommendation was just to follow those, the advice of Chance the Rapper of give praise, like let the <laughs> praises go up as the blessings come down to stay grounded back to that original question. To be grounded in any of those things is to one, be grateful for what God has done. And two, like simultaneously to recognize that all of those things are from God. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we, when we realize that, it's through his blessing, not through what we do. Kind of even what we talked about last week when I talked about our last sermon about like our efforts aren't what save us. And the same way, our, the blessings are a gift from God. Um, everything that we have is every, you know, the passage is the scriptures say every good and perfect gift comes from God. And when we recognize that truth, we're going to be more grateful. We're going to be more contented. And I think we're actually going to be, I know we're going to get to the season of worry, but it's going to help guard us against worry, the kind of worry that Jesus talks about. Well, let's right, go right into the season of worry then, which is your second season that you mentioned. And this comes from, or the language of worry comes from, I should say, uh, Matthew 6, starting in verse 25, and I'll read a segment of it here. Therefore, I tell you, and this is Jesus speaking, do not worry, key phrase, about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. I feel like when I was in the sanctuary listening to you read this passage, there was this growing worry in me about reading (laughs) this kind of lifestyle, (laughs) right? There's this growing anxiety of, you know, living a life that looks like the birds of the air, you know, Um, not knowing where they're going to get their next meal or, you know, I've seen birds run into car windshields, you know, (laughs) they're so worried free that they sometimes run into some wild stuff or, you know, living a life as the grass that just is so reliant on outside forces to grow. And one of the things that came to my mind was this idea of worrying. And, um, there was an old adage in my sports background is like, Hey, worry can actually drive you to some 
good things. Right. And so meaning like, oh yeah, we should be worried when something fierce comes our way. Mm -hmm. If like there's a bear in front of us, like it's good that we worry because it's going to be good for our survival. Yes. So this whole concept of worrying, it seems like a negative concept. There might be some positives in there. I'm wondering if there is a responsible worry versus like an irresponsible one. Uh, What's the difference between worry and just completely being irresponsible? Yeah. I think that there's like, I I think that some of us, um, we know it when we experience it. There's those things where we're driven by an anxiety and maybe we can become consumed. So there's a, I know this common to me. Maybe there's some of you out there that lack worry. God bless you. And you know, <laughs> love to meet you guys. yeah, I'd love to meet you and how it happens. <laughs> but I know for me, there's a, there's a worry, uh, that consumes me. There's a worry that actually leads to inaction. There's a worry that relies on myself and my abilities and my power and my effort more than it rely like in a, apart from what God can do. So there's something about that. I mean, it's clear to, you know, I read that passage first, Peter Castro worries, um, upon the Lord for he cares for you. So there's a recognition that we will worry. There is, there are worries of life. There are legitimate things. Like we worry about someone who's been diagnosed with a terminal illness. We do. Right. We have concern or we have kid, uh, concern for a child that maybe isn't performing in school up to a certain standard that's helpful and healthful for them. We might have wor- various worries. Maybe you've lost a job and you're worried about how um, you'll make ends meet. How are you going to provide? Mm-hmm. And I think there's this way of, on the one hand, again, it's almost kind of recognizing who the giver of the gifts is. So there's a worry where it's like, God, I lost my job. I have needs. You know my needs. And I have this concern. God, I am trust. I'm going to go and do my best to find a job, to apply for things, and I'm going to trust that you will provide on the other end. Mm-hmm. And I think there's this level of we can get it can be kind of a spectrum. Like Jesus is telling us not to worry. On the other hand, Peter is recognizing that we will worry. I think what Jesus is getting at here is just, hey, keep in mind who your heavenly father is. Right. Keep right. in mind who is at ultimately is looking over and the provider of every good thing. It's God. And he's a God that cares about you. He looks down upon you. He sees you in all these things. You know, the, the scriptures talk about leaving an inheritance for your children, being wise and all these different things. So I think there's a difference that where Jesus is talking about a responsibility of planning. And then at the end of the day, leaving those plans up to the Lord and trusting in the Lord for all these things and being reminded over and over and over again that at the end of the day, as we lean into God, as we lean into his work, as we lean into his promises and his love, we're going to find ourselves worrying less. It's going to be different. And I I certainly have found like, this is a place, um, it's a place where we can experience growth and change. I can just affirm in my own life. I'm just, I am ask anyone, you know, (laughs) who knows me, I can be a worrier. However, I truly do think the Lord, I, I can attest internally that has changed over the years as I've grown in this kind of trust in who God is, as I've seen his faithfulness in my life over and over and over again, the result is, is my increased faithfulness towards him. Like, and that's kind of expressed with a, a lack of a, a lessening of worry of not being less consumed and more trust, trusting in him. In your message, you brought out 
several points that are encouragers in this season of worry. Uh, you mentioned one, God knows all of your needs and he will bless you. We can't do it ourselves. We can't provide on our own. It's all from God. God knows your needs personally and God will provide extravagantly. Which brings us to the third season, the season of despair. Yeah. Because while all those things might be true, in those moments, those are probably the toughest moments to be able to believe those and hold on to those. And uh, here's where you pointed to the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, which is traditionally called the Beatitudes, talking about what it looks like to live a blessed life. And I'll go ahead and read them because they're just so powerful in so many ways. Starting in Matthew 5, verse 1, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. I mean, what a way to open yeah. up the Sermon on the Mount, just listing off all these different blessed statements. Yeah. And just basic observation here, you know, this is a mix of interesting profiles yeah. going on here. Like, Absolutely. Uh, you know, starting off with porn spirit throwing in the merciful, pure in heart, all these different profiles is such an interesting mix. I also see that um, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. That statement repeated at the beginning and near the end. And then there's like this last transition to blessed are you. Yeah. And so, Pastor Ryan, I know you could probably create a whole sermon series on the Beatitudes. Uh when you read this in the context of these th three different seasons, what do you see uh, in terms of the blessed life that yeah. Chance the Rapper is talking about here? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's just such this huge swath. I mean, one thing that, you know, most, a lot of people will call out is just, it's subversive. So it's like this powerful kingdom, the kingdom of God, you know, just thinking about that, what that, that indicates, what that looks like. I mean, God, his kingdom, the most power, he is all powerful, all knowing he is supreme overall, his kingdom. Who's in it? It's not, you know, it's not the rich. It's not the boastful. It's not the powerful. It's like, it's the meek. It's the merciful. It's not the rich in spirit. It's the poor in spirit. I mean, there's a lot to unpack right there. Mm -hmm. um, there's just so many of these different kind of characteristics. It's not necessary. It's not the kind of list that people at that time and people even today would have compiled like, oh yeah, these are the people that are part of the <laughs> right. most powerful group of, you know, about God's kingdom. But the other thing is when you look at that list of people, I do think that most of us can find ourselves in there. We can see ourselves in different places and spaces. And certainly we know that we'll be there. I think even, you know, in my, in when we were talking about a season of despair, I talked about death. I talked about mourning and I just think, all of us will experience mourning and think about the nature of a kingdom where it's not just those who are experiencing like a big payday. It's right. not just at the birth of, of a, it's not even at kind of the birth of a new life, but also 
at the end of life, there's blessedness there. Mm-hmm. And there's something that's so hopeful that in even the darkest um, seasons, even as he says, blessed are you, like the people of God, you, the member, the people, the, you know, his disciples, the people who call Jesus Lord, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Man, like in every season, blessing can be seen and be had. Um, and as a and kind of the end, like the fullness of that blessing, of course, is our membership in the kingdom of God. And that hope that when we look about the kingdom and look at what it looks like to be a part of his kingdom, there's the hope that we'll have eternal life, that really all these things that all these hard things that happen in the Beatitudes, these hard situations and circumstances, really, there's an end to those things in the kingdom of God. There's an eternity, like an eternal future that doesn't involve mourning, that doesn't involve hunger, does not involve poverty does not involve being persecuted or slandered. Mm. And so there's something beautifully hopeful about what it looks like to live the blessed life in the kingdom of God. Yeah. There's something really amazing about the subversiveness and the idea that you could probably come to this at any season of life and find yourself in one of these seasons. So thanks for calling that out. That's a very interesting. I was looking at the notes and trying to figure out which one. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) man, this also leads me to my skeptic question. Yes. Because as you can tell, there are a lot of profiles in here yes. that typically people don't pursue or yes. they don't want. Yes. And, you know, we're preparing in the background a, a series about addressing some of the top questions that our culture has about yeah. Christianity. And we did some research on it. We looked at a Barna poll, which is like a Christian organization that yeah. polls the feel of, of religious conversations and their top answer for like, why do you not go to church is I don't have one. I don't yeah. have an answer. Yeah. I don't know why. Like I, yeah. I'm just leaving the survey blank, yeah. which is an interesting thought. Yeah. What I think that comes from is apathy. Yeah. And apathy meaning like, I don't care. And I wonder if it's because man in America, life is going good. I got a good nine to five job. I got a family. Yeah. I got a great house. I'm happy. Yeah. Like these things are making me happy. Yeah. And now if I engage with this kingdom of God, I might become the one who's insulted. Right. I might be the one that becomes persecuted. Uh, I might get evil things said about me. I might be the one who's mourning. Yeah. And so I'm wondering what would you say to somebody who has that feeling? And I think the difference here is between like what is happiness and what is blessedness? Sure. My first thought, like even on, you know, we know when we look out there, we look at statistics, we look look at kind of um, numbers from counseling centers and things of that nature. We know that even though there's a lot of material, material kind of uh, quote unquote happiness and kind of success in the United States, uh, especially that there's a so much emptiness, so much hurt, so much woundedness. And I think, again, I think sometimes people you know, I don't think, mo- I, I think I called this out in the sermon. Most of us wouldn't want to find ourselves in most of these places. <laughs> right, right. We don't want to find ourselves in mourning. We don't want to find ourselves poor or hungry or thirsting for righteousness. This is the idea of just wishing there was justice. There was right, you know, all those different things. We don't want to find ourselves being persecuted, but, but with a lot of these things, they're happening whether you choose to or not, hmm. they're going to happen. I mean, you're probably not going to be persecuted for Jesus' namesake if you're not a Christian. You're going to mourn. 
You will experience mourning in your life. Mm-hmm. You will experience loss. You will experience some of the, you will be able to find yourself in these moments. You will be, find yourself as a moment, as a peacemaker or as a merciful person or desiring peace, desiring mercy. And I think it's a great reminder that being a part of community of faith, being a part of the kingdom of heaven means that you have a hope that goes beyond your circumstances. You know, I talked about in despair, talking about how we find blessedness, not kind of as a result of our circumstances, not like because I have a good job, then I am blessed because, you know, and certainly a great job is a blessing. Certainly um, having great family relationships is a blessing, but it's not because of those things, if that makes sense. It's seeing God's work and his goodness and his grace in the midst of every and all circumstances. So I feel like one of the hopes is that we have as, as Christians, we talk about this idea of an inaugurated kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, some people talk about like the kingdom being already and not yet, that there's kind of, we're looking forward as believers, we're looking forward to the fullness of the kingdom of God, that there will, you know, the day where Jesus will come back, return, he'll wipe away every tear. There'll be no more crying. There'll be no more death. There'll be no more pain or suffering. We look forward to that. But even in the mid meantime, we live in the hope of that future. And we're starting to, you actually get to see some of the blessings of that future. I talk a lot about, I think a lot about death. Um, and I talked, you know, I shared that story, um, about Tom last week. And here's one of the things I always, I think about this all the time, apart from the resurrection, apart from knowing that like Tom right now is with the Lord mm-hmm. one day, you know, Tom will see his family. Like I'll see Tom again. He'll see his family again. There's something right. beautiful about that. Mm-hmm. Apart from God's work and his grace and his mercy and the fact that he can even redeem that. And, you know, I shared that those moments are some of the most blessed in my life. Like apart from God. It would just be a tragedy. Right. A, a person would just be dead and they'd be gone forever. And one day, like they have a legacy for now. And one day we'll all be forgotten. But because we believe and we we know and we trust in the power of the resurrection from the grave, that God can even, and that we have a God that works. Mm-hmm. He's a redeemer. That even in the midst of all these kind of situations that we find in the Beatitudes and all the kind of difficult dis- seasons of despair we find in our own lives, we still can see blessings from God because God is still blessing us. And that's why even in that list of things, like you will experience these things. Mm-hmm. You will. And now, and, and the great good, this part of the good news of the gospel is even in the midst of those things, you will, you can and will experience the blessings of God. And it's this incredibly powerful thing that can bring us through and carry us through even the most difficult of situations. And even coming out the other end saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. It leads right into Matthew chapter six, verses 33 and 34, which seem to be the key to all of this key to what chance the rapper calls blessings. And it reads this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So there's definitely something to think about here in terms of blessings. What you said, not being found because of our circumstances, but instead being found in the midst of our circumstances. And in those circumstances seeking these two things which are called out here in the passage his kingdom and his righteousness yeah and then it's also this temporal thing going on talking about 
okay, don't worry about tomorrow. Yeah. Like, tomorrow has enough worries on its own. Yep. Like worry about today. There's a temporal aspect to what's going on. So I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit more about each of these seasons yeah. and what can we do in a season of plenty, in a season of worry, in a season yeah. of uh, despair to seek this kingdom and seek his righteousness today. Yeah. So when we're talking about seeking his kingdom and his righteousness, it's walk, you know, there's this idea in the scriptures, walk by the spirit, walk, walk with God. Walk in his presence, be with him. Jesus talked about this all the time in his ministry. He said, like, I see what the Father is doing and I join him there. I think that's kind of like the the kind of spirit that we should have as well. We recognize and have eyes and we notice what God is doing and we join him in whatever that is. So I feel like in a season of plenty, there's obviously we talked about like giving praise, but sometimes seasons of plenty are times where we have can have margin. Okay, things are going well. Things are maybe there's a season of financial plenty and it's a season of maybe it's a season where God's prompting you for generosity. Again, mm. it's being attuned to what God is doing in your life and what how he's moving. Or maybe it's just a season, you know, I know a lot of folks in our church who um, maybe they're empty nesters or they're retirees and they're saying, I actually have time and God's prompting me to season of plenty, the plenty, plentiful time and plentiful, like to be able to offer that up in service of the Lord. I'm going to go give that to the Lord or even young people, younger people in our church, young professionals. I work a nine to five. I've got a job, but I've got time. I've got availability. I have kind of movement and ability in my life. I'm going to go join God there. So in seasons of plenty, it's on the one hand being, like we talked about earlier, being grounded, being thankful, having an attitude of gratitude, but it's also listening at all times of the prompting of the spirit. And a lot of times in a season of plenty, you have availability to do some things and do some work for the that the Lord has for you. So that's one where, where you can seek his kingdom and his righteousness. Where, what's God doing? How can I join him there? In seasons of worry, I was just thinking about um, remembering God's faithfulness. So seeking his kingdom, seeking his righteousness is remembering in those times like God is faithful. I'm going to just, I'm going to work through today. I'm going to do what God has for me right here, right in front of me, focusing on today and tr- and not thinking about tomorrow, not going, not jumping in tomorrow yet. Hey, I've got job applications I can fill out today. Tomorrow I'll worry about the next step. Hey, my kid needs my attention today. I'm going to help him with his home, them with their homework tonight. I'm mm-hmm. going to provide attention and care. And tomorrow we'll tackle the uh, things for tomorrow. Knowing, and again, the reason we can do that is because we already know that God has it all under control in terms of his knowledge, his power, his presence. It's already there. He's already got tomorrow covered. He's got a decade from now covered. And so in those moments, like seeking him first is just saying, God, what do you have for me today? How are you? Help Give me eyes to see how you're providing and blessing for me today. And Lord, like whatever opportunity you bring across my path. And sometimes like in seasons of worry, it's remembering and reminding yourself um, of that from Ro- uh, that verse from Romans, God works all things for the good of those mm-hmm. who love him. Just knowing that God, I know that even in the midst of this circumstance, this worry that you're doing something and you're at work and just to mm-hmm. acknowledge that is so reassuring. Okay. God's not going to, this is not just an empty circumstance. This isn't just a painful circumstance. This is a circumstance that God is going to use for my good and his glory. And then in seasons of despair, I think sometimes those can be both the hardest and easiest times, hmm. depending on where we're at, to seek the Lord. Mm-hmm. When I think about people, like even in the Beatitudes, when I think about people who are truly suffering, when people who have deep need, a lot of times I have found 
those pe- those folks can be the most receptive to what God is doing in their lives. I talk about this kind of often. Um, is I, I I am I feel like God has more opportunity for me when I do a memorial rather than a wedding. You know, that it's like a better ministry experience for me is a as a funeral, not a wedding, which seems kind right. of odd. Right. But I think when we're in seasons of despair, we know that we have need. We know that we have need. There's not a question. We're not, we don't feel self-sufficient. We don't feel in control. We feel unmoored from where we are normal, stable places. We're, we're wanting anchor points. And those are opportunities like to just turn your face towards the Lord and to cry out to him, to seek him. I love like seek his kingdom, seek, seek his righteousness, seek God, like just Mm. looking towards him. God, you know, maybe today you're listening to this and you're not even sure about that. Or maybe you're not even sure about God. I think God is, God is totally okay with that. Mm. Maybe it's a time for you to say like, God, I don't even know if you're there, but if you are, I'm just, I'm looking for you. Let, like, can, will you show up in my life? And I think mm-hmm. honestly, you will find him and you will see him um, and he will reveal himself to you. So in these seasons, like to seek him is just to continue like, God, what, what do you have for me today? And that can be in seasons of plenty, in worry, or even despair. What do you have for me today? Brian, I know you talked about in one of our meetings that this sermon hits home for you in several ways. And you said, man, we got to talk about this on the podcast. So I wanted to give you the chance to share what you wanted to share that you couldn't share in the sermon. Yeah. But uh, why is this topic so important to you? Man, I mean, I am, like I kind of mentioned before, I'm a big warrior. I've said this before uh, in church and things like that, talked about kind of the work that God's been doing. And one of the kind of specific ways that he's been working in my life and really helped influence a lot of uh, my preaching on Sunday was um, I went through a, a, a cohort, a soul care cohort, just a group that works on spiritual formation. So we got, I did a nine month uh, work on spiritual formation, which is ultimately really what it's about is becoming sensitive and, and more keenly aware of God's work in my life, his blessing in my life. Really, it's, it's seeing all these blessings. And we had one of these months, we talked about these kind of movements in our life, kind of toward and away from God. Like there's these times. Um, so these kind of might be pretty familiar based on kind of the seasons that I talked about. We talked about um, kind of like ordinary times, these times of sometimes there's ordinary blessing, kind of ordinary good days. You just have like, yeah, today was good. You know, there's nothing too notable about it. And sometimes you have a day that's kind of ordinarily dark. Uh, it's just like, you know what? It was, it was tough. It wasn't too tough. It wasn't, didn't break me or anything. And, but you know, just those ordinary times. I think most of us live primarily in the kind of ordinary times of life, but just being attuned, like in those times, learning to be attuned, like what's God doing in this? Where is he working? There's even times, there's seasons of times of wilderness. So maybe it's, you're going through a transition. Maybe there's an ending of something, an ending of a job, an ending of even a relationship, an ending of, um, an ending of something in your life or a season of waiting, or a season of new beginning. There's these times where we kind of feel like we're not in the dead center of where we're supposed to be. We're kind of wandering. We're in transition from one place to another. We're walking through the wilderness and just being attuned to that. Like, that's where God sometimes, 
he leads us into the wilderness. You know, we talked to, even when we were talking about the setting up of Jesus' ministry leading up to this passage, Jesus had had this experience in the wilderness being mm-hmm. tested by, mm-hmm. uh, by the devil himself. And there's this interesting time where God brings us through there and he, he's going to even teach us through that. He's going to work with us through that. We're going to find blessing even in the midst of like, of kind of being, in a place where it's not too familiar, it's kind of strange. And then there's seasons of, of just suffering and lament, man, like just, I've gone through some of these in the past few years, like in terms of people in my life who have passed on, I've gone through in a few years, just kind of, even in my own life, just wondering what I'm supposed to be doing or where, if I'm in the right place and just being really hard pressed in that. I've shared some of that before. Sure. Share more again. Um, <laughs> Cause that's, you know, that's what it's about. God uses right. these things. And there's something like in the midst, sometimes like when we hit those bottom dark places where actually I just found like, I have found that God, that seeing God, it I see him most clearly in those times. Like when I actually turn my face to him, I see him in these, in these new and powerful ways in kind of bigger ways than I ever thought. Like it expands my view of God. When I walk through them, it changes my view of God and only for the better to know that he's, he's bigger and better than I could possibly have imagined. And lastly, like these seasons of celebration, I think about those seasons of plenty and just in all these things, like all these areas, like again, God's a redeemer. I don't think God, his purposes aren't to bring suffering and lament in our lives. His purposes aren't like, I want I got to make sure that Ryan's got to walk through some wilderness mm-hmm. here and there. He's got, no, I think like in the, that's, that's life. That is our kind of fallen sinful world. That's the life that we have for ourselves is that we go through these different peaks and valleys, but in the midst of all of it, God is absolutely just as present He's absolutely there and wanting and and providing blessing along the way, everything that we need, and we can trust him in all these different ways. And just, you know, through all these years and through this last season, God has shown himself to be immensely faithful. And I, my hope and prayer for all of you listening and for those of you who are on Sunday too, is just that maybe even through this, that God would help expand your view, help you to notice even a little more clearly in every season of life where God is at work and and really truly rain down blessings on your life. Yeah, and it reminds me of later in the uh, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, verse 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. And so Pastor Ryan, thank you for calling out these seasons. Some of us may be going through some different things, but also equipping us to be able to turn to the Lord and seek his kingdom and his righteousness starting today. Hopefully you're listening out there and um, maybe it's a good time for you just to pause and pray. And so Pastor Ryan, thanks for joining us on this set. Thanks for having me.